Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Hi, my name is Stan Pons, and I'm the host of Make It Clear and the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you for listening to the daily Bible teaching here on Make It Clear. From time to time, I want to bring to you Bible teachers and friends from seasons of yesterday and today who had a great influence in my life, hoping they'll add value to yours as they did mine. Well, today's guest Bible teacher and author is Dr. Mark G. Cameron. As a young boy, he came to faith in Christ through the ministry of Billy Sunday, and then later in life, he worked side by side with W.B. Riley and the Northwestern Bible Schools in Minneapolis, and then with Lee Roberson at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga. Then Dr. Cameron became the vice president of Florida Bible College when it began in 1962. Did you know he was one of the most popular Bible teachers at Florida Bible College because of his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word of God, his love for Jewish people, founding Seaside Mission to Jewish people in Miami, and of course to all of us as students. We'll never forget his love for his beloved wife, Miss Mary. I learned Bible doctrines and hermeneutics from his class at Florida Bible College and from his books. And today, my friends, I am happy to have you listen to one of his past messages, and hopefully you'll be as blessed from it as I was. But here's my guest today, Dr. Mark G. Cameron. Just a while ago, they were talking about, you know, the man living happily ever after. Remind me of the time that a man went through an insane asylum. And there was a man just sitting down, not saying a word, just staring out in space. Said, what's the matter with that man? Oh, says, you know what? He was engaged to a young lady, and and, uh, she gave him a Dear John letter and says he has never recovered. Oh, that's too bad. They went down the aisle. They looked into a padded cell, and there's a man raving, maniac, hollering, and everything. Said, what did he do? Said, he married her. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Shall we turn over here to the 23rd chapter of Leviticus? Thank you. This is our most beautiful painting that we have. Get back here of the sounding of the ram's horn and usually there as we call to uh to Mars when they observe it what a beautiful painting this was given to me painted by an artist there in uh, palestine jerusalem and we have it hanging up there in our office and some of you have no doubt seen it thank you sir we wanted to bring a ram's horn here but uh that kind of neglected to do so and to make the display, we have most everything. Here we find that God moved the children of Israel by the sound of a trumpet. Even the Apostle Paul there in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians says, Unless the trumpet give a certain sound, how can you prepare for battle? So we find out this, that the children of Israel were told to move by the sounding of a trumpet. They therefore had their calls as we have, have had in ours. And we do know this, that the armies of the world have been moved by the trumpets until World War II when they had the walkie-talkies. But everyone before that, World War I, they all moved by the sound of a trumpet. Now, we find out this, that Israel, when they were in the wilderness, therefore were told when, to, when the sound of a trumpet was given, of alarm. And then 
They took down the tabernacle immediately, put it in the middle, and have all of the armies, you know, half of them ahead of them, half of them behind. Then we found out this, that there was a sound when they were together, when there was a convocation to call just the leaders and the princes of Israel together. There was another sound, as we found out, to gather, uh, therefore, the people of a holy convocation, every one of them, to come. They had something to say to the whole group there, about 2,400,000. Now, we also found out this, that as the sounding of a trumpet, that it's connected very much with the Sabbaths of Israel, the Shabbat, or the rest days. Look there in the 23rd chapter, again with the first verse. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Every seventh day, we know that to be Saturday, was the Sabbath of rest day. It wasn't a day of worship. It was not the day, therefore, of uh, going around and, and fishing and anything. They stayed in their own tents and in the old habitation. Now we find out this, that God thought so much about the Sabbath day that he made the sabbatical or the Sabbath year. We find every seventh year was a year in which the land rested and the people were not allowed to sow and reap during that time. But everything that grew of itself, such as the fruit, and the nuts, and therefore of the grain that came up, it was gathered by the poor and the strangers of the goyim that lived there. But God says, I will give you a double harvest in the sixth year so that you will not have to work the seventh. Well, man was foolish if he didn't do that. So therefore we find God says, count seven of those Sabbath years, 49. He said, you should do no work on the 49th year, and nothing to be eaten that grows of itself, that's to be given to the poor and to the strangers. And then the 50th year is the year of Jubilee. That's going to be a sabbatical year also. You shall do no work there. Anything that grows by itself shall therefore be eaten by the poor and by the strangers. But in the 48th year, I'll give you triple harvest. My Goodness, get out of uh, doing things for two and three years. You think that they would have uh, done that, but they didn't. From the time of Solomon until the time that the children of Israel went into the Babylonian captivity, 490 years, the land never rested. And God says, all right, you're going to go to Babylon. Let my land rest 70 of those seven, seven into 490 when the land did not rest. So the land rested for those 70 years. Now we come and we begin to find out that in that 50th year, all land went back to the original owner. A man could not lease his land but for 49 years. That's one way of getting and uh, stamping out poverty out of Israel for a while. It went back to the original owner, then he can go and do anything he wants to, rent it out for the next 49 years, try to make a go of it, and then it'll go back to his heirs all the time. We find that every tribe had a certain portion. We know what portion was given to the certain tribes. But today, all the identification of all 12 tribes are lost, and they do not know which tribe they're from. And so, therefore, the government owns the land. It's a socialistic uh, government there in Palestine because 
Therefore, no one can own the piece of property. It's all of Israel, but they can uh, buy a condominium like we do down here. Now, you'll find out this, that God himself gave so many of this Sabbath. Now, there are a lot of people who say keep the Sabbath day, but forget about the sabbatical year. And also forget about the year of Jubilee, the 50th year. And so they don't keep the Sabbath. Then we find that all these seven feast days were sabbatical <laughs> days also. Here goes the first one. Now, the fourth verse. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocation, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons in the fourteenth day of the first month, and even is the Lord's Passover. Pesach is called in Hebrew. All right. Then immediately that day comes the seven days of unleavened bread, and that first day is a, is a Sabbath day. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye shall meet, must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have a whole convocation, ye shall do no servile work therein. Now, therefore, we find that there were two holy days right there. Now, beginning with the ninth, we have the first fruits. Now, this was to come, and I'll just tell you this, it always came on the first Sunday after the first regular Sabbath, after the Passover was slain. Now, we find it was in that one week of uh, uh, of unleavened bread. So we have three Sabbaths right there. And so, you know, thy Lord, we are told, is our Passover slain for us. And so he was slain on the 14th day of Nisan. Then we do know that he is the first fruits of them that slept, showing his resurrection. And he rose from the dead on the first day of the week after the regular Sabbath, after the Passover, when he died. I believe that the Lord Jesus, in order to get three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and his body in the grave, was crucified on Wednesday, and that will give us three days and three nights, believing this, that the Sabbath was over our Saturday night at 6 o'clock, sundown. Our Lord rose from the dead immediately on the first day of the week that began at sundown, Saturday night. Here's the irony of it. The Lord Jesus rose from the dead, and the soldiers there were guarding and sealed empty tomb for 12 hours. Isn't that something? He's already out. The tomb wasn't open to let Jesus out. It was open to let the disciples in. Amen. Aren't you glad they did? So we know that he did rise from the dead. All right, now that's the first fruit. Now we find here, as we have these here, there's going to come the Feast of Pentecost. And the word Pentecost means 50. That's all. In Hebrew, it means 50. 50 days after the first fruits. Now, on that first fruits, we find everything that was ripe in the field, such as grain. Everything that was ripe on the tree, such as, uh, we say, fruit and so forth. And everything on the vine, grapes. Everything that was ripe was taken to Jerusalem for the Levites and for the priests. Now, you'll find out that God always had it this way. There was never any over, neither did anyone lack. When there was a great number of priests and Levites, God had that first fruits to be ripened, just what they needed. And if there were fewer, not so many uh, things were ripe on the day of first fruits. But all that was gathered and taken to, to the house of God as their own offering. Now... We find 50 days later is the end of the harvest season. 50 days after the first things are ripe, then therefore this was the great harvest festival. 
God says, now I want you to count 50 days from that time. And then uh, we find that that was celebrated as the great feast day. Now, the first uh, Pentecost that Israel ever enjoyed. Now, she was in the wilderness. She did not have the first fruits of anything. They just celebrate as a day because they were not sowing or reaping. But on that first uh, Pentecost that is recorded in the Word, they were in the wilderness and they were worshiping the golden calf. And uh, 3,000 were slain because of that. But we have, therefore, this is a harvest festival and it is a symbol of the giving of the Holy Spirit. And when he came, and thus begins the great harvest as we are having in souls, we find the first Pentecost of the Christian, 3,000 were saved. Give me Christ every time. Amen. So, therefore, we find out that this great day Pentecost, meaning 50, was therefore a, a the great harvest festival in which, therefore, uh, the Holy Spirit was given, and 3,000 were indeed saved. Now we find that begin to mark time, and that's what they're celebrating tomorrow. They're celebrating tomorrow called the Feast of Shofar, which means the Feast of Trumpets. Here we are. Now, there we, in the 23rd verse, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, ye shall have a Sabbath, a memorial, a blowing of shofar, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, for ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Now, as we get here, here is the sounding of the trumpet. The Jewish people for hundreds of years, maybe a thousand years, or more or less, have been celebrating tomorrow with the blowing of the trumpets as Rosh Hashanah, meaning New Year. And it has no significance to New Year whatsoever. Isn't that all? All everywhere I go, the Jewish friends, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Tomorrow's Happy New Year with the Jew. Not according to the Bible. Will you turn with us over here to Exodus, the the twelfth uh, chapter, and we show you when New Year begins. Boy, this is awful. You, you know, tell person that have been worshiping all that time. But over here in the 12th chapter of Exodus, this is the giving, of course, of the uh, orders to take the Passover lamb. The Passover, we already found out, is going to be slain on the 14th day of Nisan. All right, now. The 12th chapter and the first verse. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be to you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Go back to Leviticus again. Go there to uh, Leviticus and the, the 23rd chapter and the 4th and 5th verses. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocation, which ye shall proclaim in their season. In the 14th day of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover. So we find this, that April really is Rosh Hashanah, is the new year. Well, what's that? few years, seven years, or seven months, so what? But you know what? That's not it. The blowing of the trumpet now, the ram's horn, they say, and they have hallelujah, happy new year, just like our folks therefore celebrate the coming of January the 3rd, 1st to uh, January the 1st, and all they celebrate, but they celebrate in their synagogues with the blowing of the ram's horn, announcing the new year. No, they're not. They're just announcing what they say it is. God says it's to be April the 1st. See how we go on that? Well, what in the world is the blowing of the trumpet? Now, 
There you are. We find Israel always gathered itself to either prepare for battle or for a convocation by the sounding of the trumpet. So we find out this, as God had moved Israel in the wilderness, so God's going to move Israel. Now, I'm not saying about the church now. He's going to move Israel by the sounding of a trumpet. As Passover always came on the 14th day of Nisan, and April the 1st, well, Brother Cameron, sometimes in March, absolutely. You'll find out this, that the blowing of the trumpet should be, therefore, on October the 1st. But here we are in September. Why are the different of the days? You'll find Israel had 360 days. They, their calendar lacked five and a, a fourth or something like that days. Now, you'll find this, that after a while, after they go there and they get way back, nearly 30 days back, then they just stop and mark time and let 30 days go by, then they begin again. That's the only way that they've been doing Now, every once in a while, they hit it the first year just exactly like it should be. Other times, they're back or they're forward. Never the same day because of the calendar being 360 days instead of being 365 and the fourth. So we find out here that, uh, therefore, the sounding of the trumpet was just the sounding of the trumpet. Now, what significant is it going to be? In the Word of God, we find out that there is the sounding of the trumpet before the tribulation. There are the sounding of the trumpets, plural, in the middle of the tribulation. Then we find out there is the feast of trumpets at the end of the tribulation. Now, as we go here, we'd just like to say this. Did you know that the body of Christ is the only one that moves Christ at the sound of a trumpet? Yes. Now, the, now the two phases of Christ is when he comes for his saints, when we meet him in the air. The second phase of the second coming of Christ is when we come with him here, when Christ comes with his saints upon this earth. One is to gather the body to be with the Lord Jesus, the head, at the beginning of the tribulation. The other is to bring, therefore, judgment upon this world at the end of the tribulation. We find the sounding of the trumpet in the middle of the tribulation is to announce judgment upon the inhabitants of this world, the unbelievers. There are seven of them. Then we find out this, that there is at the end of the tribulation the sounding of the feast of trumpet to gather Israel back to the land. But the Lord Jesus is already here. After the tribulation, when he comes and his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, and therefore he will gather his people back from all corners of the earth. Now to substantiate this, remember the church will not go through the tribulation, neither any part of it, nor any part of the church. We say it's going to be a rapture, not a rupture. The whole body is going up before the tribulation. Now, how do you know that? The Word of God says this, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation, deliverance by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The wrath to come, as we know, is the tribulation. That's not hell. As we find in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, 10, we're looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus, who is, the uh, Greek said, who is delivering us from the wrath to come. Oh, let me tell you, I was delivered from hell the moment I got born again. But I'm looking for the coming of the Lord, not to deliver me from hell. I've been already delivered. Hey, Amen. I'm a child of God. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But since I've taken Christ as my Savior, believing that He died for me, and paid for all of my sins and rose bodily from the dead, I'm justified in the sight of God. I'm declared to be righteous. No mark against. Praise the Lord. 
But now, I'm waiting for Jesus to get saved? Of course not. I'm looking for Jesus to take me out of this world before the tribulation begins. As I've said this so many times in my other classes, I say, young ladies, some of you are going to get married this Christmas. Some of you next uh, spring and so forth, and you're anticipating the time. Well, some of you are going to get married in the regent room or the red room. And my, what a glorious time you know, the, that's going to be in the reception. Then your husband is going to take you up to the nearest uh, motel about 10 miles away. And you say, well, you're going to have to carry me over the threshold. So he takes you over that uh, motel room. Then when he closes the door and locks it, the first thing he does, he knocks your teeth down your throat. I love you, pop, you know. And then he takes you by that long, beautiful hair of yours and just drags you around on the motel floor. You said, that's a terrible thing. It certainly is. It'd be the same thing as Jesus putting his bride in the tribulation. Amen. It's called Jacob's trouble. It's not the bride's trouble. Amen. We, we have plenty now. Amen. Oh, isn't that glorious? Oh, right. Now, now we want to find out the sounding of the trumpet. It will be before the tribulation. Behold, I show you a mystery. Is there the sounding of the trumpet in the Old Testament? Here's one right here in Leviticus. Oh, then we'll get the other, the 27th chapter, and the 12 and 13 verses of Isaiah. Oh, there, the sounding of the trumpet. Absolutely. But you'll find out this. It's all for Israel in the Old Testament. And it's always after the tribulation. Either, even in Matthew, Mark, you'll find the sounding of the trumpet is to gather Israel back to the land. Not the rapture. It's to gather Israel back to the land after the tribulation. Oh, when we get there and pinpoint. Now, we find this, that the seven trumpets that are sounded in the, in the tribulation is to announce judgment. One trumpet to sound, we find destruction come upon the world. And men still gnaw their, their uh, tongues in pain, but still curse the God of heaven. And all these things are indeed judgment upon. Then the Feast of Trumpets, when Christ comes back, and therefore there will be the sounding of the trumpet. So we'll go back from the end of the tribulation, and it is for Israel. Remember the rapture we find in the fourth and fifth chapters of Revelation. I heard a voice of a trumpet saying, Come up hither, and God's going to take us before the tribulation began. Now shall we go over here to the 24th chapter of Matthew, and we'll certainly nail it down as to this phase of the coming of our Lord. The 24th chapter of Matthew. Now, just to show you these things, look at the 15th verse. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Now, right here we begin there in the 21st verse. For then, what is the abomination of desolation? When the Antichrist sits his throne into the temple and declares that he's God. All right. Now, what's going to happen right then and there? For then shall be great tribulation, and the, the Greek says the tribulation of the great one, or we say the great tribulation, three and a half years. Beginning there with the abomination of desolation. All right. For the next three and a half years, what a time of trouble that's going to be. When therefore Israel shall be scattered as never before, and when therefore all the Antichrist is ruling supreme here upon this earth. Now, will you look over there in the 27th verse? Now we're going to talk about the sounding of the trumpet. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, 
so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, this is talking about the coming. That's the rapture. No, no. This is the revelation after the tribulation. How do you know it's going to tell you in just a minute? For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. What? The great tribulation. All right. Immediately after, but underscore that, after the tribulation, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, or then shall see, no, we read, tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Here, when is it going to be sound? At the, after the end of the tribulation. Go that quickly to Isaiah 27. And you have the same thing. Isaiah 27, that's, that's page 736 in the old school field, and the 12th and 13th verses. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, and ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. Not talking about the church. Who is he talking about? Children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they uh, shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at where? Jerusalem. Where is the rapture going to take us? Up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. So here it's talking about when is this going to happen? After the tribulation. Well, now, Brother Cameron, yes. You'll find out this in there are seven years of the tribulation. Yes, sir. In the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist, three and a half years, breaks his covenant with Israel. Yes. Then, therefore, there's three and a half years to the date. Uh-uh. Oh, yes, bound to because it's going to last for uh, seven years. That is the whole tribulation period. But did you know? Over here, Matthew 24, let's go there and see. No, it's, it's not going to last quite three and a half years. I do not know how long. Will you see this? The 21st and 22nd verses. And then shall be the great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor shall ever be. And except those days shall be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So it's not going to be quite three and a half years. We find the minuteness of the inspiration of the Word of God when it says, For the day and the hour no man knoweth. It should be blown on the trumpet to bring Israel back to the land. Indeed, the, the uh, first day of uh, October. Now that may happen, but the coming of the Lord here to this earth is going to cut the tribulation short. When he gets here... He, goes to Armageddon, takes care of the Antichrist and his army. Then he blows the trumpet. No doubt. To bring Israel back to the land will be there on the first day of October. But now, how about the coming of the Lord Jesus? It will not be qu quite three and a half years. Here's a good one. People ask me all the time. 13th chapter of Mark. Very similar now. The 13th chapter. Now, M Matthew says, of the day and hour, no man knoweth. Some people come and say, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? I know He is. You say, well, then He is omniscient? He is. He's omnipresent? Yes. He's omnisapiens? Yes. 
Well, when he's omnipotent, that's right, he's all-powerful. Omniscient, meaning all-knowing. Is there anything that the Son does not know? Nope. There's, there, he knows everything. Well, Brother Cameron, can you explain this? 13th chapter and the 32nd verse. But of that day and that hour, know no man. That's talking about his coming to this earth now. Not talking about Galenism back to the land. That will be gathered back after he comes here. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, nor not even the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. See, there's something that Jesus doesn't know. If you really want to get shaken, go down to the library and get great commentaries such as Langan and so forth. And this is what they say. According to the uh, flesh, Jesus didn't know. But according to his divine nature, he knew. Oh, you got me with a two-personality Jesus. Jesus was just one person. Amen. He, he had two natures, but he did not have two personalities. He was just Jesus. Amen. The Son of God. Well, the hair says he doesn't know. Yes, he does know. How? See here now. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Just underscore but. But the Father. We find this, that the usual word is Allah. Allah. A-L-L-A. We say in English. Allah meaning but. But this is not the... The two words are here. Two separate words. I put it in just English. E-I-M-I. E-I-M-I. E-I-F. Am I not? If not. Now read it. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, if not the Father. If the Son doesn't know, then the Father doesn't know. And if the Father doesn't know, then the Son doesn't know. So the Son knows and the Father knows. Amen? Amen! Praise the Lord! He knows when He's going to come. Of course He does. Bless His holy name. Then we find out, my, the sound of the trumpet, we're going to gather all Israel back to the land. Oh, my well, all of Israel, not, not all of the sinners of Israel are going to die. We look ex- one minute here, Ezekiel 30. Will you look at Ezekiel 30? Going to bring them back. Ezekiel 30, 27. I believe it is. No, no, no. I messed up on that one. Miss up on that one. Oh, wait a minute, just a minute. It's right here in the right-hand corner. Ah! Here it is, 20th chapter. This I thought, all right, 20th chapter of Ezekiel. And the 37th and the 38th verses. Oh, listen to this. Oh, my, here you are. How about Israel that's scattered all over the land? Yes. Not all of the sinners are going to be killed. And not all of the... Saints are going to be killed, but there's going to be a great number of Jews that haven't been saved yet. Here we are here. And the 37th verse, And I will cause you to pass under the rod. This is the tithing process. The tithe of the flocks and herds always went to the Lord. The nine-tenths of them went to slaughter. God says during the tribulation, nine-tenths of Israel outside of the land is going to be slaughtered. God tells this in Zechariah 13, 8 and 9, that two-thirds shall be killed in the land. Israel, though be as the number of the sea, yet only a remnant is going to be delivered. And now look at here. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant, and I will purge out from among you the rebels, them that have taken the mark of the beast. 
And them that have trespassed against me, I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am Jehovah. He's going to purge them out. He's going to take the rebels from wherever they are, but he will not bring them to the land of Israel. When Israel comes back, and he brings them from the four corners of the earth, those who have not taken the mark of the beast, the Word of God says they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And every man, every family is going to weep. All of Israel shall look upon him. And they shall say, what are those wounds in thy hands? This is when, like Joseph, revealed himself unto his brethren after all of those years down in Egypt. So the Lord Jesus is going to reveal himself unto his brethren, the Jews. And they shall wail for him as a man that has lost his only son. What are those wounds in thy hands? These are they that I was wounded in the house of my friends. And as it is written, the Deliverer, the Savior, shall come out of Zion and turn ungodliness from Jacob. And all Israel shall be saved in a day. Every Israelite that brought back from the whole world will believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, here's the most beautiful thing. The feast day of the blowing of trumpets is not the new year. That should be in October the 1st. But to bring Israel back to the land, okay? Ten more days is Yom Kippur, what? Day of Atonement. And all Israel shall be saved. God's going to give them just ten days to come from the four corners of the earth. They can do it today. They said it was impossible a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago, but they can get that back in ten days easily. And they shall all be gathered back to Israel, and they will see, look upon him whom they appears, and there shall be living waters that shall come out of Zion. There shall be a fountain open for Judah and for the cleansing of the nation. There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Anyone who heard such a thing? That a nation can be born at once? Israel shall. When they gaze upon him whom they had sold out for thirty pieces of silk. As Joseph revealed himself unto his brethren. He's going to reveal himself unto these brethren. And these who have not taken the mark of the beast shall therefore be born again. And here goes the millennium. Five days later, Sukkot, tabernacles, they're in the land. This is the feast day that commemorates that time they were 40 years in the wilderness. But also it looks forward to the time of the millennium when they'll be with the Lord in that golden age. And every man shall be under his own vine and fig tree. What a glorious thing it would be. But you know, I never saw that knew what it meant till we went to Lebanon recently. And we got there, and Jewish people, I never saw any individual homes in Israel. They are either on the kibbutz or in their apartments. But there in Lebanon, we found out, and we went in through these homes, whether one story or two story, on top of the house, they have the patio up there. And they have the big vines growing up. And the arbor covers the patio, whether it's the first or second story. And the arbor certainly does protect you from the sun, but the grapes all hang down. You just have to go up and, mm, oh, 
Boy, that. And you know what? They all have a big fig tree going up too. And all you do is just pick the figs. Every man under his own vine and fig tree. That's the millennium. But brethren, I'm not looking for the millennium. I'm looking for the Messiah. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus right now. And I believe with all my heart that as we coming down to the wire, the majority of you that are living today will never see death. You mean it, yeah. Then the Antichrist is alive, yeah. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Amen. Thank you. That's Thanks for listening to Make It Clear and to today's special guest, Dr. Mark Cameron. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host and president of Florida Bible College. If you'd like to know more about Florida Bible College and how it has classes on campus, online, and even on site, please visit our website at floridabiblecollege.com. That's floridabiblecollege.com. We're also very grateful for all those who support Make It Clear. It's through your prayers and financial support that we're having such a local and global impact with the truth of the gospel that so clearly states salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Well, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you would like to be a part of helping us get this message out to others, you may send your gift to Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607 901 Orlando, Florida, 32860. That's Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you can go to our website, makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org and use the secure donate link. You may also request your free devotional called The Word for You Today. Well, thank you so much for listening today and be back next time for Make It Clear. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.